Welcome to Family Life Today, brought to you with the compliments of this station and power to change. We're always encouraged to receive your feedback and comments on the program, but I'll tell you how you can do that at the conclusion. But now, here are your Family Life Today presenters, Dave and Ann Wilson. Every couple, we are included, wants to have a lifelong marriage yeah. that's the goal on day one you're like i don't want this to end right. in a year or we 10 years for it we see the picture of ourselves now bald empty nesters and Bunny that's and the thing. dream the question is how do you get there so mm-hmm. we have gary thomas back in the studio today with us to talk about how to do a lifelong love gary welcome back thank you for having me now you wrote a book called lifelong love yes and it's obviously all all about how do you do marriage long distance you've written 20 books i mean of all the books you've written though Where does this rank in terms of, like, the message you were trying to get out? Well, let me say what the subtitle is, too, Dave. It's Discovering How Intimacy with God Breathes Passion into Your Marriage, which is a great subtitle. Well, sacred marriage, which is sort of what I became known for, was really, in one sense, I think, a spiritual formation book. How does God use the challenges, the difficulties, the frustrations of marriage to help us grow and to become more like Christ. So it really gets at the root issues of marriage. This was my first more, how does this understanding draw the two of you together to build intimacy so that you have a lifelong love? And both words matter, a lifelong. How do you go the distance but a love? So it's it's qualitative, not just quantitative, mm. that, that you're building it. And what you mentioned with drift is problem with every marriage because we live as fallen people in a fallen world. This is not a world that's neutral toward our love. I want every listener to get that. There are real spiritual beings going to war against your affection for each other. That's Satan. The Bible talks about the devil prowls around like a roaring lion. He hates families being together. Real spiritual beings attacking your faith. You have your own sin pulling you apart from each other. And our tendencies like Adam and Eve to hide when our sin is exposed I mean, the accountability of marriage is a wonderful, holy, and sacred thing, and it's a terrifying thing, and so I might start to hide from my wife. And then you just have a fallen world. We get sick. We get fired. uh, We have kids that aren't always on their best behavior. (laughs) It's a world that's hostile to our relationship. And so we have to realize, okay, if we're going to stay together, we can't drift because we're being taken downstream. And that's true of everything. You don't drift into physical fitness. You drift into being a couch potato. <laughs> so in most areas, we have to realize, okay, if we want to go upward, we have to go against the natural inertia. And so the same thing is true in marriage. You can be infatuated with each other, spiritually idealistic. This is a great match. But if you don't keep pressing toward each other, you'll pull apart. And how do you stop the drift, because as you say that, every couple's oh. like, yep, been there. Except maybe the pre-marriage, they're like, that's not going to happen to us. We thought that. We thought, we thought no, it. we're going to be different. We will not fall into the drift, but it's natural. Yeah. We just go with the flow, as you said. Right. We go downstream with it. Well, I want people to listen to yesterday's uh, broadcast where we talked about the Magnificent Obsession, because I do think spiritual purpose is so key. But yeah, then give she, us give us one sentence on that. Yeah, seeking you know? first the kingdom of God that you were made for more than marriage. You were mm-hmm. made for a mission. And the closest marriages have a mission outside of their marriage that draws them together. Yeah. Uh, but then beyond that, just recognize that throughout 
our lives because lives can be long. There are certain things that pull us away from each other. There's just something about the male mind. It shouldn't be this way. I wish we weren't this way, but I've seen so many counselors have talked about it where getting the girl, so to speak, is our accomplishment. And then all of a sudden, okay, now I'm going to get a promotion. I'm going to become a scratch golfer. I'm going to finish rebuilding that car. And our wife, before she was our wife, was just this high priority. And now she feels like she's five or six. I would say this too, Gary. I've had, I remember this woman wrote me a letter and she said, I feel like I was totally duped. Yes. My husband goes after me. He like spends time with me talking. He wins me and woos me. She said, now we're married. I feel like now he's on to another hunt. Yes. I feel like he saw me. He shot me. He begged me. He put me on the mantle and now he's off to the next hunt. Wow. And is, do you, you're, it's exactly what no, you're saying. No, that's exactly what I'm describing, and I'm imploring the men not to let that happen. It is one of the greatest acts of fraud we can ever commit. Mm. That yeah, what you, we do. Did you do it? I think to some degree. I mean, I was pretty conscientious. For whatever reason, I really wanted to be a good husband. Yeah. I was reading Gary Smalley books back in the <laughs> early oh, days. Oh, we were too. Or not. And then I was asked to sign his books. People thought I was him later on in my life. That was kind of... <laughs> Ironic, but I just think there's this natural male ambition that you know, we want to get this done or that done, and we just have to realize that, guys, what we did to win our wives, we should do to keep our wives. Mm. There is that sense where wives feel like, I'm just more invested in this, and how do wives often respond? Because here's what you have husbands say. She starts to have kids, and suddenly he feels left out yeah. because she's thinking, hey, Totally. This guy duped me, yeah. but now I have these kids and I can have this relationship and it can carry some people away because babies can be amazing. But then often that's where the husband feels like the wife is pushing away mm-hmm. and he feels like she's and wives hate it when guys say this. I feel like you're having an affair with our child. What often happens after the husband feels like the wife is more invested in the kids and he feels left out, then he doubles down and he rediscovers golf or rediscovers his Yeah, I was going to say, he doesn't always pursue her more. He, he goes outside. Yeah, and, and so now he gets his ego needs met outside the house. So the wife often doubles down and is saying, you're an absent father, you're a terrible husband. But he gets on the golf course and he said, man, that guy can knock it straight down the fairway, <laughs> 275 yards. And his ego needs are like, okay, well, he he likes to be outside, the, which pulls them even further apart. And then what happens if this isn't addressed is that eventually the last kid leaves. So the wife doesn't have that anymore. Hmm. And they've been full apart. And pretty much they stop at the lawyer on the way home, dropping the last kid off at college and saying, okay, we raised our kids together. But they've never really built intimacy. They've been teammates. Yeah. And if you've just raised kids as teammates, not as intimate partners, if you've never built real intimacy, when the season is over, you go your separate ways. And it's just recognizing those vulnerabilities and saying, okay, we don't want to let this happen. We are committed to putting each other first, to making each other a priority, and to not let this drift. Because most of us, you said it, Dave, we want one marriage and we want it to work so let's invest in it and make it the best marriage we can and not just do this ping-ponging back and forth you know i think that in some ways i don't know if every guy's this way i also drifted 
because I thought I was doing a good job as a husband. I thought she was satisfied. I thought I was better than I was. And I didn't realize we had drifted, even though I noticed, boy, she is pouring her life into the kids. I'm pouring my life into the job and pursuing this mission I think God has given us. But, what, but at the same time... How did you think I was satisfied at that point? Well, that's why you always said, how in the world can you think our marriage is a 10 when I think it's a point five? I just thought I'm doing a pretty good job. I don't know if every guy thinks that, but there's part of me thinking we're not as bad as she thinks we are. And then it took a crisis to get me back. Right. Is that normal? Because I think a lot of us are disengaged until we realize, oh, my goodness, this marriage is in trouble. And a lot of it's my fault. And then we start to fight the drift. Is that common? I think, sadly, it is that we can just get used to living distant lives, but eventually we get lonely and we're not willing to put up with it. And what I try to plead with couples, if you're unsatisfied with the disconnected marriage, there are two things you can do. You can get a divorce or you can become a connected marriage. And my advice, try to become a connected marriage first and see how that goes. Because you might be wanting to run from the disconnection, but you can get reconnected. A good marriage isn't something you fight. It's something you make, and you have to keep on making it. So a, a couple things that can keep couples connected as we try to build this. One is a, a silly little thing I talk about, but it's actually helpful called killing spiders. Yeah. If there's a spider in our house, it's dead. I'm killing it. Not because I have a problem with spiders. They actually eat other insects, so they can be good, but... My wife just hates to see them. Some of them leave webs behind. And so because I love my wife and she hates spiders, I hate spiders. And the principle is I want to make my wife feel safe and connected to me, that I'll care about what she cares about. So let me give some examples. Let's say her dad had been an alcoholic. He wasn't at all, but I'm just using that. If her dad was an alcoholic and she had these memories of smelling it on her dad's breath and seeing the devastation in her family, I could just imagine if she smelled it on my breath, the horror of her childhood would come rushing back. I said, if I want her to feel safe around me, I need to kill that spider. It's about what makes my wife feel connected to me. If this pushes her away, I'm going to kill that spider because I want her to be connected to me. Hmm. Let's say we were on a second marriage. We're not. We've only been married to each other. But let's say her first marriage was destroyed by a husband who watched too much video games. I think, okay, that took down her first marriage. And I could imagine if I have this game controller out and she says, hey, honey, I'm going upstairs. You want to meet me? Yeah, I'll be there in five minutes. And time goes by and maybe it's 90 minutes and I go upstairs and she's asleep. And I got to be thinking, okay, here she's going. This destroyed my first marriage. Here goes my second marriage. I'm like, okay, I need to kill that spider. It's not worth it to have a separate hobby that's making my wife feel disconnected from me. It's not whether it's morally allowed or not. It's right. what serves my marriage. And some guys might say, well, hey, I like the occasional beer. Or why, why can't I enjoy video games? And my response is, if you knew what an emotionally connected marriage feels like, arm in arm, heart to heart, soul to soul, no individual pursuit can match that. And it's a much lesser sacrifice to get that together. But we all have to recognize all of us have spiders in our marriage, things that we do. And we try to say, well, the Bible doesn't prohibit it. And I'm saying, well, that's not the only issue. 
Does this help your spouse feel closer to you or does it become a roadblock for them to feel connected to you? Is that one of those symptoms where your wife says something to you? That is a spider. Listen to it. Your husband says something. And you've, you've got to find another way. But but talk about it together in a spirit of empathy and what makes you close. I know a military guy that's been on a lot of dangerous missions. Uh, and when you've been gone for a while, he says the tough thing for him when he's coming back, he says, <laughs> he goes, I'm, I'm thinking of one thing. It's three letters. <laughs> and his wife got that. And so they realized, you know what? When he came home, they would go to a hotel and then go to his house the next day so he could be fully present for his kids. But it was almost like for him, okay, here's what helps me reengage. Mm-hmm. We have this. We enjoy each other. We get our time alone. She feels like I like having time with him because it's hard because the kids all want him. And so they just found out that reentry, what is something that draws us together instead of pushes us apart? Here's another example of solving a problem by killing a spider. When Lisa started traveling with me, when we became empty nesters, she's traveling with me most of the time. I would laugh because she's the extrovert and she's always talking to people. And so she's telling about everybody she talked to. And she knows I pay attention to these things and she doesn't. So if we would come out of an elevator and our room was left, she would invariably go right. If we go to the parking garage and the rental car is north, she goes south. You'd think half of the time she would guess right, but it's like these repelling magnets. It was, it was almost fascinating to me. So one time we had been at this hotel two or three nights already, and I let her go out of the elevator first, trying to be the polite man, and she goes right. And I'm like, seriously? Because I, I was just amazed that she still didn't know. And that didn't make her feel closer to me. I that might so. shock you, Anne, but she didn't receive that. The next day, she did it again, and I just stood where I was. And she kept talking, walking down the hallway until about 20 yards, realized I wasn't next to her. That also didn't make her feel close to me. I, I don't know if you can believe it, Dave. So so I'm trying this to be like... Dave notoriously trying to teach me a lesson or something, <laughs> that's right? Yes. Well, and so I, I put it in guy language. Okay, honey, here's the deal. I say something... It makes you feel stupid. I don't say something. It makes you feel angry. Obviously, there's nothing I can do. I I can't be the problem. And Lisa said, oh, honey, it's so easy. It's so easy. Whenever this happens, just say, this way, hon, in exactly that tone. This way, hon, and we'll both be so happy. So on our next trip, we, we got to do it. She went the wrong way. I said, this way, hon. And she looked and she gave me this gorgeous smile <laughs> and we laughed about it. And we have laughed probably a hundred times since then. But but here's the principle. Something that was pushing us apart, some silly little thing like that, she taught me, okay, this is how you do it in a way that draws us closer together. So every couple has it this way, hon. What is it that your husband does that really pushes you away? Then have him help you understand what it is. If he feels disrespected, then let him help you. Okay, how do I correct you or how do I speak up in a way that you don't feel disrespected so that you don't keep doing these things that cause, the? it's not just drift, it's like propelling each other apart, but you're learning how to let the frustrations of life pull you closer together. I love that. I mean, I love too how you both have strengths and weaknesses. And she's saying, don't harbor my weaknesses and don't keep pointing them out. 
when Dave and I were dating, I he realized I had this terrible habit of losing everything. Oh. Constantly. <laughs> not, not everything. I do lose a lot, and I was even worse back then. And we had gone to a restaurant, and I had left my gloves on the table. You're going to bring this up. And I got back in the car, and I said, oh. This is first year of marriage, Oh, by I the forgot way. my gloves. And so I went back into the restaurant, not finding them. And I came back. I said, they weren't there. And he pulled them out. He said, I was hoping to teach you a lesson by remembering to pick up your gloves. And I was so angry. I said, oh, so now our relationship is going to be about you teaching me how to be better or teaching me a lesson? And that didn't fly very well, did it? No, I mean, I remember that. I can take you right to the parking lot. It's so vivid in my mind. I thought this will work. This will teach her. You know, I'm going to take her gloves into the car. She's going to, and it all played out just like I thought. But the result didn't play out like I was hoping. She just got so hurt. And I said, this is a weakness that I've had my whole life. So I'm wondering, can you accept it? Like, I am broken and I forget things. And I just need you to realize this is me. Can you receive me? And now I, I love it. I really do, Gary. No, I mean she loses her phone three or four times a day, (laughs) and it's so funny now. It used to be a a thing of it just irritated me because I don't. I have many other weaknesses, but what you said is so true. It's like wait, wait, wait. Part of it's what we talked about yesterday. We are on mission together. It's much more important than this little thing. But this little thing is the differences in our quirks. It's it's something not just to tolerate. I actually. Sort of celebrate it now. Now when I realize she she lost her phone and sitting right over there, I just smile. It's like I can grab it, I can hand it to her. And you also got me an Apple Watch to help me find it. Yeah, my and she phone. can push her little thing and she can find it. But I think it's so easy to drift. That takes work, right? Yeah. Well, to say I'm gonna I'm gonna make this work. And we have to guard our minds. One thing that we have to push against is that there's ever a spouse that doesn't have those things that irritate us. Yeah. Mm. We do. And James 3, 2, we all stumble in many ways. We all stumble. Nobody's married to the fourth member of the Trinity. You know, that <laughs> that person doesn't exist. And you, you talk about losing things. I had a time with Lisa when we used to live out in Katy, Texas, which is a suburb of Houston. And they kept building and the freeway, I-10, just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And so I would have to leave progressively earlier and earlier in the morning because every five or ten minutes, it's another 10 or 15 minutes sitting in traffic, which I just hated in the morning. And so one morning I got up, it was like 5, 10, and I'm ready to go. And my keys weren't where they're supposed to be. And I'm looking all around and I could feel the traffic backing up. And so I'm (laughs) panicking more. And Lisa finally heard me because I have my phone flashlight on. She goes, what is it? And I said, I can't find my keys. She goes, oh, yeah. She goes, see, I couldn't find my car keys last night. So I took your car. I said, oh, okay, so where are my car keys? Uh, <laughs> the same thing. Uh, she goes, let me think. Well, they must be in my purse. We look at, no, they're not in my purse. And so, and so now it's like 20 minutes. And I'm just thinking, okay, I've lost, I've lost 45 minutes on the road and whatnot. And we finally found them and I'm getting on the road. But God stopped me. And it was just like, Gary, this is how your spouse stumbles. Lisa misplaces things like that, like like you do. But here's the thing, Dave, that helped me. She doesn't intentionally do it. Is she doing that to stop? No, it's not in Lisa at all to not want me to get to work on time or to frustrate me. And so instead of judging her or calling her, you can't do this again. She already felt terrible about it. 
I didn't even need to confront her. And so often we think we have to express our displeasure. But what you said, Ann, about you misplacing things, that will never change. Mm. Some of these things will never. In fact, I think Dr. John Gottman said about 60 percent of marital issues will never go away. And so if we can't accept the fact that our spouse doesn't have everything we want and doesn't have anything that's frustrating, we'll never have a close marriage. We'll let those things pull us away from each other. And we just have to say, no, that's where we need grace, acceptance and love. Yeah, and I think a lifelong love is accepting and loving each other in our imperfections. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I could sing it. All of me loves all of you. <laughs> Did he say? Yeah. And all your curves and imperfections. I yeah. mean, it's really, it's what God does with us, yeah. and we get to do that with our spouse. We want to thank Dave and Ann Wilson and their team for another edition of Family Life Today. Although our programs are produced in America, the issues facing families like forgiveness, communication and taking care of our kids transcend national borders. These issues profoundly affect relationships everywhere. In Australia, family life is known as power to change and our mission is to effectively develop godly families, the kind of families that change the world one home at a time. A key part of our mission includes strengthening marriages and families all around the world. We want to do whatever we can to bring timeless truths to the challenges you face as you seek to strengthen your family and join us in changing the world. This program is brought to you each Monday to Friday through the generous gifts of everyday Australians like you. If you'd like to give a once-off gift or a monthly donation, please click the Give tab on our website at families.powertochange.org.au. Until tomorrow at the same time, God's richest blessings on your family. Thank you.